We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, Justin Mello, previewing here now the Titans-Colts Week 4 matchup. I am still doing this from London, Justin over there in Toronto, so we are spanning the globe to bring you Titans coverage. How you doing, Justin? Doing well, man. Excited to get into this one. We have a great guest who's a friend of the pod, someone I go way back with. And uh, I said it all, uh, near the end of last episode. This is just such a big, big game for both sides. Both the Titans and Colts perceived AFC South favorites. Okay, Jacksonville's maybe thrown a wrench into that. But both of them picked up a huge win uh, You know, last Sunday with the Colts beating the Chiefs, the Titans beating the Raiders. Both close, hard-fought games. They both came out on the right side of that thing. So this is a massive, massive game in the AFC South. Absolutely agree. Titans got to win it, but so do the Colts. So without further ado, let's welcome in our guest, lead analyst for the Horseshoe Huddle, the Fan Nation Colts site, a film guy for Mile High Huddle, and the co-host of the Locked On Colts podcast, Zach Hicks. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. I mean, we're feeling pretty good here in Indy after beating the Chiefs this past week. Uh, definitely a, a better feeling this week than than the previous two weeks with this team. Yeah, same same for the Titans Nation. Um, and let's get into it right away, starting there. What are some of your main takeaways? This was a gritty win for this Colts team over what's supposed to be a, a dominant Chiefs offense, holding them to 17 points. Were you more impressed with what the Colts did, more unimpressed by how the Chiefs executed, or what are your takeaways there? I would say definitely unimpressed by the Chiefs' special teams miscues. Uh, that definitely helped the Colts uh, quite a bit in this one. Uh, you know, the missed field goal, the really weird uh, field goal fake there in the fourth quarter, the muffed punt definitely helped the Colts quite a bit in this one. But honestly, I think the game ball has to go to Gus Bradley in this defense, especially when you look at, I mean, a lot of really smart analysts all year saying, Oh, Pat Mahomes thrives against cover three and Gus Bradley still stuck in the old ways of, of only running cover three. So on paper, this looked like it was going to be a disaster for the Indianapolis Colts, but uh, Gus Bradley came out, had a really nice game plan. Uh, the pass rush came alive. The, the players played well, and and they held Pat Mahomes to only 17 points. So uh, definitely the game ball goes to the defense. The offense still needs to figure some things out, but uh, the Colts defense definitely carried them to this victory. Zach, I don't really have a question yet. I just want to let it be known that even though you're <laughs> a friend of the pod and you and I go way back, we don't have to pretend like there isn't a rivalry here between the Titans and Colts. And I just want to say for our listeners that that was such a slimy Colts win. Like that was such a typical Colts win. I saw it coming a mile away. Like no one believed me. I said, <laughs> the Colts are going to beat the Chiefs this weekend. And everyone thought yep. I was insane. But that's how much confidence I have in the Colts being just a dirty, slimy franchise that gets away with wins when they shouldn't. It's definitely a uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich thing that uh, yeah, I was saying it all week on the podcast that, you know, with this Colts team under these two, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, they might suck when they have expectations. They might really blow it when there's real expectations or anything like that. But 
they thrive being the underdog or being the, the team that everybody counted out or, oh my gosh, you know, they had no right being in this game. And, and they've done it. That's why they always start off so slow every single year, you know, one in four starts, one in five starts. And then they're a fringe playoff team by the end of the season, every single year as well. They just love to claw their way out of these holes and, and, do these big upsets. I mean, last year against the Cardinals, when they had half their team out, the Cardinals were a playoff team and, and the Colts were trying to get into that playoff conversation and they beat the Colts or beat the, the Cardinals by nine points with half their team out. It's just what the Colts do uh, with Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. And even though we were very pessimistic on the Locked On Colts podcast this week, we were kind of <laughs> saying it, we were saying at the end of the week, like, you know, this is where they thrive. They've always done this stuff. I mean, they're the only team to hold Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs under 20 points, I think, in, in the last, like, three years. Wow. <laughs> the only team to do it, and they've done it twice. <laughs> A cockroach that refuses to die, the Indianapolis Colts, ladies and gentlemen. And Graver, that underdog theme sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, the Titans, I mean, it feels like the Titans function the same way, and, it, yep. you know, the whole conversation around the Titans going into last week was the same pessimism. Like, Melo and I both picked the Raiders to win. It was like doom and gloom central. And now both teams get a much needed win. I'm just so curious about how this game even like ended in a Colts win. When you just look at the box score, because yep. you can't really learn too much just from looking at box scores. But when the Colts average 3.8 yards per play and somehow come away with the win, Over it really, the Chiefs. can you imagine averaging <laughs> 3.8 yards per play against the Patrick Mahomes led Kansas city chiefs and winning that football game? Yep. How did this come to be? How did this win shape up for the for the Colts? Again, it really was uh, the defense limiting big plays and getting pressure on Pat Mahomes. So the defense, I mean, a lot of credit to the Colts defense. Uh, and then on top of it, the Chiefs, again, just their, their offense, their, the, their special team miscues were so bad. I mean, the muff, punt, yeah, the muff punt gave the Colts seven points. Their two field goal flubs in the fourth quarter lost six points for them. Right. So, I mean, that's a 13-point swing right there. Now, I'm not saying that the Colts didn't gift the Chiefs offensive points. I mean, the, the Chiefs scored 17 points in this game, and 14 of their 17 came off of really short fields off of Colts turnovers. So, the, I mean, the Colts defense played winning football, and they deserve to win with how well their defense played. But before I say anything confident about the Colts going forward, their offensive line needs to improve because – I mean, we're looking at the mo the highest paid offensive line in football and they're playing like garbage right now. And and I really don't think you can say anything. like Matt Ryan has not been as good as we expected, but it's hard to really have an evaluation with how bad this offensive line's been. Jonathan Taylor isn't doing absurd things, but again, the offensive line is is the big issue. So I really think this Colts team is close to being good. Uh, and this this last week was really something that showed that. But uh yeah, this offensive line right now is the big thing holding the back and you know, before the season, I would have been terrified of this Titans matchup. I still am terrified of of, of Simmons and, and Autry, obviously, but obviously with your guys' injuries to Harold Landry, and I think Bud Dupree's been a little banged up too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with those injuries, I'm a little more confident, but still this Colts offensive line has just not been good, and that's where the Titans can definitely feast this week. Yeah, uh, building on the offense in general, Zach, not just the offensive line, but I'd like to talk about Matt Ryan a little bit, right? Just kind of want to get your early impressions on him. Like when, when they traded for him, it felt like the perception around at least national media was he's going to make the Colts a Super Bowl contender, right? Like the, like the expectations <laughs> were fairly sizable coming in and myself, Graver, and most of Titans Nation didn't really believe that was going to be the case. But of course, with it being the Colts, you know, there's always a little sense of, well, maybe we're being biased. Maybe we're underrating Matt Ryan. Maybe we're underrating the Colts. 
I don't think Matt Ryan's been very good so far, sort of maybe confirming our bias so far, but what is your early impression of Matt Ryan through three contests? Yeah, just, just to address the Super Bowl stuff, I, I you know this might sound a little like hindsight bias. I, I kind of thought he was going to be good enough to get them into the playoffs and then obviously go from there. And I think that's, you know, no, my- people always, yeah, people always say like, oh, you want to have the star quarterback so you can make Super Bowl runs, but it's like, look, just get into the playoffs and you always have a chance. Now it hasn't worked for the Titans the last couple of years, but they've always had a chance because they've been in the playoff. Once in the AFC like, championship game too, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I thought he was kind of going to be that for the Colts, maybe like around the Phillip Rivers season in 2020, maybe a little bit better. Cause I thought Ryan has a little more juice uh, to him than Phillip Rivers did, but I, I, honestly, yeah, he, he has been a little disappointing, but it really, it's hard to put a firm evaluation on him right now because this offensive line has been, just so, so bad. Now, Matt Ryan has made mistakes. You know, he's, he's had a fumble issue. I mean, there was uh, both fumbles that he lost in this past game were, were definitely on him. He should have recognized those blitzes coming and, and should have protected the ball. Uh, but it, it really is hard to evaluate him right now. I mean, he, this, this whole line is so bad. I really, I know I have to keep saying that this whole line is just so, so bad. Like there were, there were free rushers coming at him all game long. And I guess the one positive, the real big positive thing I can say about Matt Ryan is, you know, they were getting the doors blown off them by the Texans in week one. And, and he had a phenomenal fourth quarter, brought them all the way back in that game uh, and then led them for what should have been the game winning field goal in overtime. It's just the kicker missed it. And then this past week, you know, obviously the offense isn't really moving, isn't doing a great job the whole game. They go down there and he throws the game winning touchdown pass with 20 seconds left. So we've seen good moments. We've seen him stay in there uh, even in the face of this pressure, but yeah, I, I would say it's been a little disappointing right now, but it's really hard to get a firm evaluation with just how bad the pressure has been from this offensive line. Yeah. Offensive line state is not good across the NFL because you should have heard our guest Marcus Mosher heading into the Raiders game. He sounded just like you talking about how the, the weak link of the Raiders was the O-line and we're over here like, well, you haven't seen the Titans O-line. That's yeah. the Titans weak link. Like there are so many teams <laughs> dealing with this issue. It's going to come up again and again throughout the year, but it is a place where you can look at to hopefully try to have, you know, a matchup advantage of the Titans defensive line against the Colts offensive line. But I think you can say the same thing in the inverse, the Colts defensive line with DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay going up against the Titans struggling offensive line, although they've looked a little bit better, at least against the Raiders than they did uh, against the Bills and the Giants. Um, but I want to talk about more about this Colts defense. You've credited Gus Bradley and the defense with being so outstanding versus Kansas City. It's interesting because they were so not outstanding the week before against Jacksonville. Right. Do you think this was um, the, you know, it's taken a few weeks for this defense and they're starting to gel a little better? Do you think this was a specific game plan to stop Patrick Mahomes? How do you see this defense coming out to play against the Titans uh, coming up this week? Yeah, I think it's been a combination of things. Because honestly, if I would break down Gus Bradley's defense so far, it, it's a lot similar to what at Matt, what Matt Eberflus did with the Colts the last couple of seasons, where the Colts by far and away have the best run defense in football. I mean, their, their run defense right now is phenomenal. Uh, Grover Stewart's playing the best football of his career. The reserve linebackers filling in for Shaquille Leonard. They have their issues in coverage, but they've both been, I mean, Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed have both been phenomenal in run defense. I mean, uh, Clyde edwards Hilaire came into this past game against the Colts leading the NFL or was near the tops in the NFL in, in yards per carry at 7.7. He finished this past game with seven carries for zero yards and, and one touchdown, but uh, uh-huh. seven carries for zero yards. They've, I think they've held uh, nap like running backs to, I think, 2.6 yards per attempt on like 80 carries this year. Uh, So they have been really, really strong in run defense. And I think 
that just really helped them in this Kansas City game where the Chiefs were really one-dimensional. Pat Mahomes was flustered because the Colts were actually getting some pressure, uh, and, and it really just slowed down everything the Chiefs wanted to do on offense. Now, the key to kind of beating this defense is get the ball out quick. You want to utilize that quick game. Don't let the pressure kind of affect your, your quarterback uh, and really just rely on that passing quick game, screens, meshes, everything underneath. And that's what the Jaguars really did, where the Chiefs just really couldn't get anything going in the passing game. And they tried the run game and it just did nothing. So I think, if the, I mean, I never want to say anything bad about Derrick Henry or the Titans run game, because I know that despite the Colts run defense being phenomenal for the last four years, Derrick Henry's always kind of been able to find success <laughs> regardless. Uh, but I will say if the Titans come out with a game plan where it's going to be run the ball 30 times into this Colts defense, I do think they're going to have a lot of struggles because the Colts defense, I mean, the run game is just phenomenal right now. Uh, I do think the way to attack them is just kill them with the screens, kill them with underneath, kill them with quick slants. Uh, and you got to have your quarterback be really quick and efficient, getting the ball out. Uh, and that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars did. Right. Uh, and it's not what the Chiefs did this past week with Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Tannehill's been pretty good about getting the ball out quickly this year with you know poor pass, pass protection around him. But I definitely would expect the Titans to try and establish the run all game long and give Henry 30 carries yes. right into the strength of the Colts defense. <laughs> right, right. It's always been fascinating the last couple of years, though, in that Titans-Colts matchup because, like I said, Henry still gets his. He's Derrick Henry. But I do think the Colts, for the most part, have been pretty decent against him outside of, I think, that blowout in 2020. Um, the Colts have usually been pretty decent compared to the rest of the league. Uh, the thing that always killed them, though, is A.J. Brown on the play action passes over the middle, which isn't a thing anymore. But Traylon Burks obviously can kind of be uh, pretty good as well. So it will be interesting to see how the Titans come out and attack this Colts defense that still has that same strength of that run defense. But the Titans don't have A.J. Brown to you know make the superhuman play. Right. It's going to be a fascinating uh, game to watch. Zach, we appreciate you so much as always. This really is as must win as must win can get in week four. I'd almost argue for both sides, right? I mean, you know, the Colts, uh, even though they stole that win against Kansas City, 1-1-1, they're 0-1-1 in the division, right? And that's never a good start to the division. Of course, for the Titans, this is their first uh, division game. They're 1-1 in conference play. So really a big game for both teams. Before we let you go, uh, as we tend to do on the Music City Audible, if you're able to give some game flow predictions, how you sort of see this thing going, how you see it playing out. And if you feel inclined, maybe even a score prediction at the end of that. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is the battle of really, really evenly matched teams. And I think if you said that before the season, I think people would be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't think we would have saw them being the two two type of teams they are right now going into this matchup uh, where they're kind of struggling. They're kind of trying to find their identity, but uh, I do ultimately think the Colts will pull this out in home at home against the Titans. I think it'll be a really close one. It's going to be a a really tough battle. Um, But again, I think both these teams have their struggles, but the Colts defense Uh, really is suited to play against this Titans team without A.J. Brown, especially. And I think the Colts offense figures out just a little bit on this offensive line, just a little bit to where they can move the ball a little bit. So I think it's going to be an ugly one again. I I mean, I would say if I had to do a score prediction, maybe 23-20 or 23-21 Colts. Uh, But I can really see this one going either way. I think these two teams are very, very similarly built, similarly coached. uh, Just a, a lot of similarities between these two teams right now. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the Titans stop the Colts and hold them to like a fourth and two and then 
yeah. Frank Reich's like, ah, we're always going for it. And it's like, I hate this guy because he's always going for it. And then they always convert it. And it's like, you think yeah, I don't know if they always convert it, man. They get, they get stuffed <laughs> quite a bit lately. But yeah, Frank likes Frank likes to go for it. He's very analytic heavy, which we like. We really like that. Yeah. And you, on that play, they will have Michael Pittman in single coverage against yes. a cornerback. The Titans have not yet signed as of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Raiders went one for 12 on third down, but then they went three for three on fourth down. So that really takes a lot of the, <laughs> the success out of that. Oh, uh, Zach, man. really appreciate your time. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, good luck this year. Maybe we'll see you again in a few weeks. Of course, guys, anytime. All right, thanks again to Zach. Let's get into our thoughts for this game. But first, a quick reminder to check out the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in East Nashville. Seriously, the best burgers, the best worsts, a family spot, a friend get-together spot. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. If the Titans come up short on Sundays, there's no better place to drown out your sorrows than at the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. Yeah, do yourselves a favor. Head over to the pharmacy in Nashville. Get yourself a burger. Get yourself a brew. Hey, if you're not into burgers, get yourself a worst. Get yourself a chicken sandwich. Get yourself a vegetarian option. Do whatever you need to do. Head over to the pharmacy. They've got options for the entire family. It doesn't matter what your diet is. doesn't matter what your preferred method and style of eating is. Pharmacy's got something for you. Head there, grab a meal, tell them the Music City Audible sent you. That's right. Locally owned and operated restaurants support local businesses. Head over to the pharmacy in East Nashville, located on 731 McFerrin Avenue. All righty then. The Titans play the Colts. Titans at one and two. Colts somehow at one, one and one, which is kind of weird and stupid. And they should be 0 and three. But hey, that's not how football works. So now the Titans have a chance to claw their way back to the top of this division. If they can get a win over Indianapolis on Sunday what do they need to do right? First and foremost, and my biggest concern, stop the run. Yeah, that's you stole the words right out of my mouth, right? That's number one for me. I mean, when you got a back like Jonathan Taylor uh, in the backfield for Indianapolis, look, let's be honest, give the guy credit where credit's deserved. Rushing champion last year, Derrick Henry went down with an injury. Taylor ends up leading the league in yards and touchdowns. He's an elite running back, can also catch the ball coming out of the backfield. Hasn't been as effective in, in weeks two and three this year as he was in week one, but this still represents a huge challenge for a Titans run defense uh, that in all honesty is struggling, right? Currently giving up 145 yards per game on the ground. That is the fourth worst mark in the league. Only the Seattle Seahawks, Chicago Bears, and Houston Texans are giving up more rushing yards per game. Those are three terrible teams, right? So Titans give it up 145 <laughs> on the ground. It's a monumental difference from the unit last year that allowed roughly 85 yards per game on the ground. And while you're at that point, the Titans allow more yards per carry than any other team at 5.8, the most yards per carry allowed in the NFL. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown, but that's mostly because teams have been able to pass or just struggle to get in the end zone on them. <laughs> the Titans uh, run defense. I mean, I was just talking about this with you off air. Harold Landry's loss, which we all thought first and foremost, oh, their best pass rusher is down. Well, Harold Landry's really good at setting the edge. And when you know that your team has a good edge setter, it allows the linebackers to flow more freely to the middle because they don't have to worry as much about outside contain. Well, without Harold Landry, now there's no one really containing the outside when Derek Tushka is trying to set the edge and just letting Josh Jacobs get the edge on him and go for 15-yard gains. Now the linebackers have to worry a little bit more about helping corral the edge and, and spill the plays back inside, and they can't flow as freely up the middle, and it's just a cascading effect that makes your run defense really, just because that one player is out, 
the whole unit starts to break down. Now, if Bud Dupree can get back for this game, that would be immensely helpful for one side of the edge set. If Ola Adeni or Rashad Weaver can man the other side, then maybe you feel a little better about it. But not having Landry and Dupree has caused this Titans run defense to be absolutely atrocious. They've allowed big runs. They allowed one to Saquon Barkley, a couple huge runs to Saquon Barkley. They allowed James Cook to pop a 30-yard run when the game was almost over, and it was just like, just get off the field and finish this game. They couldn't even do that. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders were averaging a lot of yards per carry against Titans, but then they only ran the ball 19 times total, and that includes Derek Carr's scramble. So it wasn't like the Raiders were really committing to the run game, but you know the Colts are going to commit to the run game. You know they want to make things easy on Matt Ryan, set up their own play-action offense, and give the ball to their best offensive weapon, which is Jonathan Taylor. So it all starts with the run defense and forcing the Colts into long third downs because I joked about it a second ago with Zach, but like for real, if you give the Colts a third and short opportunity, you got to play two downs because they will go for it on fourth down almost anywhere across like their own 45 yard line. And again, I, I want to double down on one of the points you made. Um, it's because I think it's so important. We talked about it in the recap episode, right? The Raiders episode just a few days ago. Um, the Raiders abandoned the run, right? And it didn't make a lot of sense why they abandoned the run. They were having success running the ball, right? They had some mild success running the ball. I thought Josh Jacobs looked pretty good. He had 13 carries for 66 yards. It's 5.1 yards per carry. And keep in mind, his longest rush was 13 yards. It's not a particularly long rush, but what does it indicate? He was finding success every time he touched the ball, right? You're You're getting four, five, six yards every time you get the ball. So the Raiders abandoned the run. You think the Colts are going to abandon the run with Jonathan Taylor? You think Frank Reich is watching film right now of this Titans run defense and saying, we're not going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor early and often? No, the Colts are going to try to establish that run early. They're going to try to punch the Titans in the mouth with this run game. And really, it's up to this Titans defense to respond and, and, and force the Colts out of their game plan. Right, exactly. I think we're. this is like, if you're just talking about predictions and expectations for this game, Jonathan Taylor is going to pop a couple. And you just have to, like, as Titans fans and as the the offensive side of the ball, like, you're just going to have to live with that happening because I can almost guarantee you it will happen. It's all about getting him down inbounds, getting him down before he reaches the end zone because he does have breakaway 4-3 speed and can go all the way on those types of plays. So what's going to happen, I think, is you'll see the Titans load the box and and really test these young corners outside in single coverage type situations with, you know, a single safety over the top. And that's all you're going to see because – one of those two guys, Bayard or Hooker, is going to be in the box to help with the numbers game in the run defense. And I don't know, it's a, it's going to be a tough matchup. I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, you got to get pressure on Matt Ryan. The Colts offensive line has not been good, as we heard from Zach like 15 times just now. Um, so hopefully Autry and Simmons and maybe you get something from Weaver again can get some pressure on the quarterback and that create those negative plays that take the Colts out of their game plan because that's really what's going to happen. And I do think, It's going to be an ugly match. You know, it's going to be a tough physical game, probably low scoring. Both teams want to control the ball. We've kind of seen this now with the Giants and the and the Raiders games for the Titans is both teams will go on eight minute drives and just eat clock. And it really shortens the game and makes every possession count that much more. So Titans defense, I mean, I think the offense will be fine. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I think the Titans will score between like 17 and 23 four points somewhere in that range can the defense hold the Colts under that number I think is more the deciding because I kind of trust the offense to at least make enough plays I don't know the Colts defense has been pretty good this year too so it's hard to say but it's weird I never thought three weeks into the season I'd be more concerned about the defense than I was about the offense and that's where I'm at right now 
No, I mean, I think that's a fair point, right? With all these injuries, again, we'll, you know, still awaiting word on Bud Dupree. You've got Caleb Farley not really playing. Elijah Molden's on IR. Harold Landry's out for the year. Ola Daney has his issue. Uh, certainly more concerned with... See, I stopped myself short there because I'm going to say certainly more concerned with the defense, but I'd be lying if I said I felt great about the offense either. Yeah, I don't feel great about either side of the ball. And that's saying, I guess, the one and two team, and that's what you're looking at with the Titans here. But what we need to see from the offense in order to find success is continuing to use Derrick Henry in creative ways because the Colts have been pretty good at bottling up Henry outside of that one big game. And last year, of course, he played them with the broken foot, so his numbers were not necessarily reflective of his skill level and the, and the Titans skill level, but they're going to be keyed on him because everyone's keyed on Derrick Henry. So co- continuing to find ways to get the ball to him in space with those designed screen plays or the, uh, the checkdowns over the middle or out to the flat, get him the ball. Cause he's your best player and he can make plays, but you got to give him space to do so. And that starts up front and it starts with creative play calling and Titans have been pretty good on opening drives. Can that continue so they can get off to a hot start? Because I don't I mean the second half Titans team. What do you think? They got to be leading by 10 points at halftime to stand a chance in this game. <laughs> yeah, the way they're playing offense in the second half. I will say, you know, one of the things the Titans certainly will do, and I expect them to, of course, got to watch the tape from that Jacksonville game. I know the Colts have a strange thing with the Jags, but to me, the main takeaway from that contest was how Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson attacked the Colts defense. Trevor Lawrence was getting the ball out of his hands quickly it was efficient underneath when I think of the Titans play action passing game it can be a similar outcome right where you're hitting Robert Woods you're hitting Traylon Burks on those play action glances those crossers they'll shout anything shallow to the intermediate intermediate sections of the field that's what they have to do to have success in this passing game because so far the Colts have really not been able to stop those quick developing passing plays right the Colts with Gus Bradley are playing kind of similar to what we've seen from the Titans so far which is like keep everything in front of you force the the other team to go on a long drive without shooting themselves in the foot at some point on that drive. And that's exactly what the Jaguars did was take advantage of those eight yard hitch routes, slant routes, get the ball out quickly. Lawrence was decisive and accurate. And the, the Jaguars over and over again, just marched down the field with, you know, not that many big plays. And that's and the way the they Jags were able credit. to right? They played a clean game of football, right? The Titans will have to do that from a a penalty. You can't have, you know, these holding calls, these delay of games we've seen, um, uh, illegal substitution, whatever the heck it was. Like certainly several things across the offensive line have been issues from a penalty perspective. So that's one thing they'll have to avoid. Yep. And uh, I think that, you know, the Titans do stand a pretty good chance here if they can play that clean game to come out on top. Although I do think it'll be an ugly one where sort of the last team to possess the ball we'll have a chance for a game-winning field goal. That's what I predict the flow of this game to be, sort of like a 10-10, 13-10 at halftime, and then a final score that's like 23-20, like Zach said, or even maybe like 20-18 to 18 or some weird Frank Reich goes for two number that comes into the score because Frank Reich just bothers me. I mean, if he was the coach of the team <laughs> I liked, I would love that aggressive mentality, but playing against him is so annoying because he he always goes for it. I hate it. He's an aggressive coach for sure. And I know Colts fans aren't too thrilled with them right now at the start of the season, but I imagine they got back in the, the good graces of most Colts fans following that win over Kansas City. All right, let's wrap this thing up here with a score prediction. I kind of threw out a couple hypotheticals, but I didn't really pick anything. Pick a winner, Justin, and what's the score? I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, I'll probably end up regretting this. I'm going to go Titans 20, Colts 17. Nice. I'm right in line with you. I'm going to do a weird number, like I said. I'm going to go Titans 21, three touchdowns, maybe a missed field goal in there. 
Colts 18 um, with some weird, weird fluky stuff going on with the score. So I, I think we're both picking a Titans win on the road in Indianapolis. It's going to be a tough environment. Colts with their second home game of the season and second straight home game. So that's another interesting thing that, you know, they were not so great on the road to start the season, but then they go home, beat the Chiefs. Now they got the Titans at home. So it'll be a fun game to watch. That's it. That's all we got. Another reminder, check out the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in East Nashville. Can't say it enough. The best burgers in Nashville. I mean, it's just a fact. So go see for yourself if you don't believe me. And check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. We've got the Broadway Insider Pass. I'm going to let Justin tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, become a Broadway Insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just $0.99 cents, or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the table. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F1. Words pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And of course, check out all the Broadway audio content that we have to offer. The Hot Read Podcast, Football and Other F-Words, Second in Victory, The Football Show, live from the pharmacy. So be sure to follow Broadway Sports Media for all of our, the content that's coming your way. Check out Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am, of course, at Titans Film Room. We will be back next week. Two more episodes recapping the Colts and previewing the commanders in Washington. Justin, you want anything else to say before we sign off? No, I think that does it. Make sure you head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. A lot of great content. The Mike Herndon show, of course, is a fan favorite. It's Mike Herndon, Mike Miracles, return to Broadway Sports Media. He's co-hosting F-Words Pod again as well alongside Zach. So make sure you tune into that weekly. So much great written content coming at you essentially daily from the likes of myself, Zach at F-Words Pod, Easton, uh, and and the great uh, band of writers that we have at Broadway Sports. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to all the podcasters. We have so much podcast content coming your way, essentially on a daily basis. That's right. So that'll do it for us. We'll be back next week. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.